Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey everyone, today we are joined by Danielle Vincent. She is a makeup artist and founder of Kimiko Beauty. Hi Danielle. Hi Jody. how are you? I'm great. I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. I'm excited. Our too. listeners, oh, we're so excited. Um, our listeners, they're super curious about the career paths and journeys of execs and entrepreneurs in the beauty industry. Um, and they are craving those honest and authentic stories because it helps them move forward in their own careers. And you have such an interesting story to share. Um, so I'd love it if we can start in the very beginning um, to when you were a competitive figure skater as a child. Uh, tell us about that. Sure. Um, so I grew up figure skating on the ice uh, in Canada, which I think is not that uncommon. And, you know, it, it, it was really interesting. I think I had a knack for it from the beginning, and then I kind of went on that very competitive path from uh, quite a young age. And it was uh, it was intense. It was one of those sports where you train, you're on the ice six days a week, and as I progressed through the sport – that turned into time in the weight room and dance classes on on ice choreography. It was it was really um, wonderful in so many ways, but quite an intense sport. Uh, but I do think doing that kind of competitive thing when you're young builds some interesting connections in the brain and also some pretty in depth understanding about yourself as a person and how you work under pressure handling a lot of pressure. Essentially the way it works when you're training as a skater is, um, you know, you go through your different levels and you achieve your, your, your single jumps, your double jumps, your triple jumps. And then you, I was a, a senior competitive figure skater. So it's the highest amateur level that you can compete at. Um, but essentially you're training all year long for your initial trial to go through to nationals. And that's your two and a half minute program and your four minute program. So it comes, the whole year's training comes down to essentially those four minutes. So it's pretty intense. Yeah, it's so much pressure. It is a lot of pressure. You know, I think I think you have to enjoy that part of it. Um, and I did, but I also think it served me so much later in life uh, and in being an entrepreneur in terms of time management, discipline, and really that internal battle of, of this is difficult physically and mentally and, and how do I move forward and persevere and succeed um, by my own definition of success. Yeah, I, I would think that you would learn early on that to have a long, long-term view as opposed to a short-term view, um, right? Like to think long-term about everything. Um, I would imagine it would help you in business development in um, seeing your vision come to life, right? Like that you have to, you do have to wait. You have to wait to get to get to that, you know, whatever you're looking for, right? Versus like um, immediate gratification, right? Which you would not have, right? Because you're working all year for, for one thing. Yeah, that's true. It's true. It's a, it's a lesson in patience. Um, and I think also in, in the realization that not every day is is a step forward. You know, you may have a day mm-hmm. where you, land a new jump for the first time and you feel like, Oh, I took, you know, I took five steps forward. And then the next day, for whatever reason, physically, mentally, you're not on point and you're missing things that you've been doing for months. 
uh, consistently. So it's, it's how do you take those setbacks and still leap forward and look at the bigger picture and kind of celebrate the wins and just keep going on a, a potentially slow moving, but, but positive trajectory. Well, it all sounds so much like the coaching that I need for growing my business. So I can <laughs> see why it would be very valuable later in life. Um, tell us about making a transition to makeup artist. When, when, and how did that happen? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't have uh, too many entrepreneurs in my life, but I knew just at a young age that it would be, it would be cool, quote unquote, cool to, to have a makeup line. I was always obsessed with um, like roaming the drugstores and looking at the aisles and reading ingredients. And I'm one of those um, self-proclaimed beauty junkies. When I was early teens, I was looking at sunscreens and already doing non-chemical broad spectrum every day. Mm-hmm. So I just, I loved that side of it. Like what's in the product? Do I like how it feels? I mean, I had, I don't know what 13 year old, maybe now because it's a lot more of a, um, an exposed beauty world, but I had just drawers and shelves full of product. It was definitely already uh, a love, but um, it wasn't, it was kind of an interesting transition. My just, sheer luck there was someone in my hometown who had started a perfume one and my father knew someone in her family and introduced us and they were expanding sort of their their brand offerings and they needed someone to uh, help with their perfume line and it was one of those indie perfume brands that had sort of blown out in Sephora and I learned I essentially met with uh, my former partner and she loved what I had to say, and I jumped in at a really young age. So it was a very um, serendipitous thing, but I also sought her out. I was following her story, and I sent an email saying, here are my ideas. I love the industry, and it sort of progressed from there, from that initial conversation. So you actually um, created intention, right, when you were uh, reaching out to her. Like you, you already felt a passion for the brand. By the Absolutely. time it was, I, um, an opportunity to meet with her? Yeah, I had been following them. It was really interesting. I'm from, you know, a smaller town. So it was it was known that this is sort of, um, first of all, she was female. I thought that was great. Um, but I was just excited at how well this was doing on a uh, sort of a North American level. So I, I wrote and I was, was very transparent. I said, here are some of my ideas. I love what you've done. And she shared a lot with me. And that turned into a meeting, which also turned out to be interesting because I, at, in my early 20s, just with my knowledge of product and brands, had echoed what she had just been told by the CEO of a big uh, retailer a day or two before. And so it was it was interesting timing. I think she felt like I had the guts and the mm. intuition for the industry, and and it went from there, essentially. That's so cool. Well, you certainly have the guts because you started your own brand 10 years ago. Um, can you tell us about Kimiko? What is, what is the brand about? Sure. So, you know, I had, I had worked for a lot of the, the big brands and counters and I, and I knew something was missing. I uh, had been developing perfume and working on that side, but really my passion was color cosmetics. But as with anything, there there was so much out there, and I wanted it to be purposeful. So I had this light bulb moment. I had a client. We had just done her makeup, and she, as with so many clients, is in the chair. They share their insecurities. 
and she particularly, uh, as as we all can say, like her under eyes uh, were her her area of concern. And she's like, you know, it, it's too bad that after the end of the day, all of this is going to wash down the drain, and I'm left with what I didn't like in the first place. And this light bulb went off, and I thought, if we're target applying concealer, shouldn't that concealer treat the under eye like an eye cream? If we're applying foundation or a tinted moisturizer, shouldn't that do everything we need to do for our skin? So essentially, at the end of the day, when you wash off your makeup, your skin thanks you. It's it's better for having worn it versus the opposite, which is how we've always traditionally thought of makeup uh, as harmful to the skin. You know, I'm imagining in my head right now a picture that a friend sent me of one of his friends who is a Broadway actor, Broadway performer, and there's a time-lapse video of her getting her you know, stage makeup on. <laughs> it's like, I can't imagine <laughs> that her skin is really any better for having that makeup on. And I'm sure it's like suffocating under all that stage makeup. But um, that's a really, you know, interesting and very timely approach, right? That we're caring for our skin by putting it on when, you know, we always used to think that putting it on was actually junking up our skin and making things more complicated like acne and rosacea and other, uh, you know, other conditions. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, at that time, I think it was, it was about a two and a half, three year development process. So everything in the line was custom developed. Uh, I brought in ingredients that had not been used in color before. So, so our cosmetic chemists were like, hmm, you want 3% of this, 5% of that. But I really wanted efficacious product and I wanted it to look like skin and feel natural and look natural because my philosophy as a makeup artist is that less is more and there's a way to enhance without detracting from someone's natural beauty. Um, yeah, so so that's how it started, and it was curated. I knew there was so much out there, so every item has its own story. It has uh, simplicity and packaging, yet there's sort of a dual uh, a duality to it. So there's a mirror that opens, and you can flip it without opening it and still use a mirror. Um, everything has a little tool on the end. I, lo- I love this idea of just the items you need and um, doing everything you need with a curated set of stuff that you where you love each piece. So you've had this business for 10 years, and I'm thinking about what you told me before about um, being a figure skater. Um, it's like practicing patience, right? Constant patience. And 10 years is, um, you know, a long time in our kind of fast fashion beauty world now. Um, mm-hmm. What's been the hardest part, like what's been the hardest in terms of practicing patience in the, in the growth of your brand? Good question. Um, it, you know, 10 years is a lot of time and it also flies by very quickly. Um, I think challenge, challenges that I've faced, I think being a sole entrepreneur um, is very different than going into business with a partner where you have a constant mm-hmm. person to bounce off of. Um, so I think that's been sort of interesting. Um, and from an investor standpoint, they typically like to see partners because it sort of allows them to feel more comfortable that if this person is missing these skills, well, this other person probably complements it. Um, so that, that's been interesting, but I think in terms of product development, that's never been an issue for me in terms of innovation, because that's, that's how my brain works. I come up with ideas in my sleep and I keep a notepad by my bed. Um, and I also think that the timeline as long as it feels in this in a, in a quote-unquote fast, fast fashion, as you say, 
sense is is actually not that long for beauty. And the way that I started, um, you know, with a friend's family raise, it didn't allow for us to scale immediately. And so what I ended up doing is establishing the brand in a much more organic, slow-moving, but very thoughtful way. So instead of throwing everything against a wall and seeing what would stick, it was really about moving forward thoughtfully, choosing retail partners who really were excited and got the brand. Um, You know, and there's many ways to do it for sure. But for us, it was more of the slow and organic uh, approach. Um, I love the idea of brands taking their time. You know, we don't hear that often. We hear about like moving forward faster, more, 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 faster, faster, faster. And um, we don't really come across a lot of uh, brands that, are willing to um, be, I guess, more thoughtful and more patient. It's, it's definitely a differentiation for you. Um, but, you you know, in terms of moving forward, which we all do need to do eventually, um, you told me that you're in the process of looking for investors to help grow the business at this point. Um, tell us about that process and what you're learning along the way. Yeah, you know, it's um, I think it's something every business founder, entrepreneur does have to face at some point. And... You know, I sort of think of milestones in the business when I first launched the brand and we shook hands with our first retailer, uh, Takashi Maya on Fifth Avenue in New York. It was like, okay, this is happening. You get that feeling in your gut and it's, it's exciting. I think the next phase for us is definitely bringing in a strategic investor or investors who can help take it to the next level. Um, there's so much support that has to be done in in a beauty brand and for product support across your retailers, coast to coast, and of course then internationally. Um, and, it, and it just requires that. So for, for me, this next phase is interesting. I've learned a lot about um, pitching. And I, ask, I also make a point of listening to, to podcasts where I can hear from other people who have done it uh, and pick up on little pieces. So, so one that I love is called Masters of Scale. And they interview great uh, brand founders of, of companies that we know in our everyday lives. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, you know, seeking information, researching, it's, it's, this is, this is what we have to do as entrepreneurs. If you haven't done it before, you, it's just like starting the business. You get out there, you learn everything you can about it and, and then you go forward. That's awesome. So, um, Shifting gears a little bit, um, tell us what it means to be an eyebrow expert. Uh, you know, our so our best-selling product is our Japanese eyebrow pencil. And I didn't intend for that to be our best-seller when I started the line, but you, but you, follow, um, you follow that lead. And so, yes, uh, I'm a makeup artist, but I do a lot of eyebrows. And it's timely, of course, because we're, we're inundated with brow brows in general on social and and online um what is it like being a brow person it's you know it's really fun it's one of those things where when someone comes to see me for a session uh it's, it's similar to when they're in the makeup chair we talk there's a connection we talk about what matters to them we get a little bit into what well, you know what do you not like and where do we want to go it's almost like a mini therapy session yet i know mm. we're just doing eyebrows um and it's fun, you know, it's one of those transformational things. So we could spend half an hour and that person can come out feeling like, whoa, I feel like a whole new person. Uh, proper eyebrow product placement can even make your 
brow look like you got a little lift. It's, it's really reviving. Um, and a lot of the time too, we end up talking about really personal stuff. It feels like everyone got a little therapy session. There's something intimate about working with someone's face. Um, and you really, you really do connect. It's, it's nice. Yeah. I found that when I'm not a makeup artist, but I'm around makeup artists and their um, subjects quite a bit. And, um, it does seem like no matter who it is, when someone sits in that chair, um, they're really willing to be, um, uh, free with their um, insecurities and free with what's on their mind. Right. In a way that we don't in our everyday life as we, as we move through our everyday life and meet people. Right. But like once that butt hits the chair, it's like, I'm going to tell you everything that's on my mind. Right. <laughs> Which yeah, is really, it's, true. It, it's true. It's what happens in therapy. It's like, okay, you know, eyebrows, nose, lips, cheeks, you know, whatever. I mean, they, people do it to hairstyles as well. Um, it's really an amazing opportunity to get insights of the way that, um, the person in the chair thinks, um, how they feel, how to find um, a pathway to trust with them. Um, because people are really willing to be so revealing. It's pretty awesome. Yes, it's really great. And I actually love that part about my job. There's so many different hats that I wear. Um, and that's, a you know, I, I only have a certain amount of time allotted for that. But when I do get those days, um, I, about once a month, I do several days. It's, it's, it's renewing in a sense. It, it reminds me why of why I started this, because it's really about how do you take that personal experience um, that feeling of positivity that I love to give my clients about themselves. Um, and how does that translate through a brand, even through our product and through the experience with the products um, and our messaging. So it's, it's just a really nice sort of feet on the ground touch point. And it's also awesome because you have like a, a true focus group every single time you sit with clients, right? Um, understanding sure. what, what's working for them, what their needs are, how their needs are currently being filled um, or how they're not being filled. It's, um, you know, it's like as, as good insights as you could possibly create. Yeah, it's true. And I, and I do ask a lot of questions um, just casually, but it's, but that's, it is the perfect environment to, to get that kind of feedback or even find what's missing or what people are struggling with. Yeah. And that, that helps me even in my product development and thinking about where, to, how to innovate and how to do something differently than how it's being done currently. So for my last question for our um, episode, um, it's a little bit of a tangent. Um, aside from financial goals, what is your barometer for success? Mm, great question. Very good question. You know, yeah, it's essentially why do we do the things we do? Um, I'm, I'm going in many directions in my mind. Give me a second. <laughs> You know, I think for for me personally, um, I, I'm one of those people where I'm sort of never satisfied with what's been achieved. So I think, and 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 for anyone who is on a on a path, creating something, trying to do something that brings positivity, whether it's in a product or a service um, to other people, I think you know, any step in that direction is, is a success. And I think we also, and I know I do this, I don't take enough time to sort of pat my own back and say, look, look what you've done. Look how many people love this brand. It resonates. So, so there's already success, but I think there's an underpinning or there's a feeling that entrepreneurs have where you, you don't really stop until you get to that next level. So 
I think there has been success. You say, okay, great. I've done this. You give yourself a pat on the back and then you keep going towards your next goals. Um, I, I just, for me, there's, there's no greater feeling than having someone say, Oh my gosh, I know that line. I use it. I love it. This is so awesome. Cause it means I've made something that's made their day easier or uplifted them mm. for the, for a quick moment in the morning when they've done their makeup. So those, those moments are success to me. Um, yeah. It's yeah, really beautiful. Thanks, Jody. Um, you know, for, for me, success is um, having a few days during a work week where um, I really feel that the balance that I seek, right? Like there's some days in the week where I don't, where they're just kind of like, you know, fast and furious. And then there's other days where it's, um, you know, I guess I have very simple needs, right? I'm just looking for some serenity, right? Like um, put money in my pocket, do great work with fun people and have some serenity. So it's like those days where I, you know, I can go to the gym, maybe I stop into Trader Joe's, I, you know, work at my desk, but I, you know, have time for a proper lunch and maybe meet up with a friend and um, just have that sense of like, you know, pure balance the best that I possibly can. Um, I love that's that. my like, <laughs> my like one step at a time. Um, but that's yeah. success for me. No, I love that. I think that's beautifully put um, because we're all seeking that balance. And of course, running a business as you do, as I do, it can, it can be all consuming. So I think, um, like you said, and it's interesting, you talk about whole foods and diet. That's another thing that came from, from training as an athlete is you can't perform if you don't take care of yourself. Mm. And I think entrepreneurs, that's the same thing, especially when you're leading, when you're leading the company, if you're not exercising, feeding yourself while taking care of yourself and you can't run the ship. So that's, that's an amazing point. It is all about that balance. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because um, in many episodes on the podcast series, entrepreneurs have been really honest with us about how they don't take care of themselves, right? Like they don't make time to eat or, and then they'll eat at like, you know, 10 o'clock at night and shovel food in their face because they're starving or um, they're not exercising or they're not seeing their friends or, you know, they're not seeing the light of day. And um, there's a cost to that, of course. Right. Um, and, um, you know, this is a judgment-free zone podcast, um, but I, you know, there, there's, um, a struggle, right? It's hard. It's hard to like tear yourself away from the seduction of growing the business to do basic things like eat or exercise. Um, there's, a, yeah. I think a skill in finding a way to do that. Yes, I totally agree. And I think things that have helped me is, uh, first off, Amazon fresh delivery, life-changing, um, <laughs> Because as you know, in New York, battling the Whole Foods crowds and, you know, schlepping home with bags of groceries is not easy. So that's an amazing way to make sure you always are prepared uh, and just scheduling stuff in because it's one thing to have intention to go to a workout class or to the gym. If it's not on the schedule. Inevitably, there's a fire to put out and something will something will sidetrack that. So, yes. yeah. And, you I know, focus and I, on those like really small, like simple, like what like one step at a time task and when I do that and I can actually accomplish those things I, I feel I feel so thrilled it's like the most simple pleasure right um yeah totally I love forward that. yeah absolutely because you're in peak mental and physical form and it just allows you to focus in a different way you know I'm not a huge believer of of pushing yourself to your limit and not sleeping. And there are moments where that has to happen when there are deadlines to meet and there's a lot going on, but you can't perform your best. So 
why not put in great hours versus many hours that are sleep deprived and, and mentally or physically um, not at peak. So I think there's a way of working hard, but smart. It's not all about the hard work. It's about working intelligently. Right. That's really interesting. Wow. Well, Danielle, we've run out of time. I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with me and our listeners. This has been incredible. Thank you, Jody. Such a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.